Recorded live from the WAYOFM.org studios in the fabulous Fetter Building in Rochester, New York. Welcome to Transformation Thursday. I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her as well. In this podcast, we take an objective look at dramatic change. And as two transgender women, we know a thing or two about that. And we will talk about transgender issues on this show in a way that we think will be both informative and entertaining, but we'll also be looking at the amazing number of radical changes we're experiencing in our society as well. On today's show, we're going to be discussing going to the gym and working out because most fitness spaces are not safe spaces for transgender or non-binary people. But our first guest, Laura McSpadden, has been featured nationally for their efforts to make fitness accessible to everyone. Having been to Laura's gym myself, I can attest it truly was a safe space for me. Oh, not again with this. When will the heavens sing for me? Probably never. And in our second segment, we'll take a look at the state of transgender healthcare around the country and what's being done in different states to block and grant access to transgender health care. But for now, let's continue with the time-honored tradition of the music swell and fade out. Before we get to Laura's story, we need to discuss how you can financially support this podcast. Just go to your browser of choice, type in www.transformationthursday.com, and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, you can subscribe and support us financially, and patron donations start at only $1 a month. And already, before we've even published our first podcast, but this is the third, or no, fourth I can't keep track of all the excitement, but already... Math is hard. It is hard, but already we have patrons who are supporting us on our Patreon page, and our newest one is Andrew K. Yay! Yay! Thank you, Andrew. And in addition to supporting us on Patreon, we will also be starting to provide patron-only content. And already, Amy has posted videos for our patrons on Patreon. Try saying that. So you can see the fits and starts we had to work through to get this podcast started. We'll be right back with our interview with Laura McSpadden from Positive Force Movement. And we're back. Our guest today has been featured in Vice, Medium.com, and multiple other websites in the fitness world. They are also a blogger and currently working on a book, in addition to being co-owner of Positive Force Movement with their partner. Everybody, welcome Lore McSpadden. Welcome, Lore. And just because this is what we like to do with this show, can you, like, tell us your preferred pronouns? Absolutely. So my pronouns are they, them, their. Thank you very much. We're trying to get into the habit of this because it is oftentimes hard, even for people in the Q community, to remember to use the proper pronouns and think about it. Absolutely. So thank you for uh, humoring us with this. And also, I love the fact that you have them nick- tattooed right on your knucks. Absolutely. Yeah, and on those massive guns of yours. You are an, an amazingly strong human being. I just want to I, I, Amy's going to be talking about it. I just want to say I, I was so impressed. I was thunderstruck by you when we were together on a on a fundraising show for Planned Parenthood called Don't Grab My Pussy. And I and everyone was telling jokes and I told a story and and Laura went up there and just like bent metal for 20 minutes. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my. What was it? You, you started? I think you started out with a horseshoe. I think. Yes, I did. The, I opened the horseshoe first. Yeah. And then I bent the, the bar of rebar yeah, after just, that into 
I think, a curly cue. Yeah, you wrapped it around your thigh like I would wrap a ribbon. It was amazing to watch you. And, that, and you're, so you've, you've worked really, really hard to become this strong. I know that. Absolutely. And it's something that I began in my 30s. This was not something I always knew about myself. Was that difficult for you uh, to, to get into this field? Um, it, it has been. It's, it continues to be in some ways. I mean, basically every time I go for a new certification or continuing education credit that involves being in person, I kind of have to put my armor on. And I can absolutely expect to hear gender essentialism, to hear sizeism, to hear to be misgendered, to hear little snide jokes. There's a lot of transphobia and sizeism within the fitness industry. So part of how I see what I do is I put that armor on. I go into those spaces. I get this information um, so that I can then take out all of the harmful toxicity and use it to help people who otherwise wouldn't have access to that level of knowledge and information around how the body works, how to discover empowerment, how to do it in a way that is based in um, curiosity rather than shame. But yeah, it has been and continues to be hard when I have to go into spaces as I continue to do. I continue seeking new information and I have yet to be in many fitness spaces where I haven't Except your own. Except my own. Okay, you used a word there at the beginning of that that uh, I can guess the meaning of, but I would really like it if you talked about it a little bit more. Gender essentialism, was that? Yeah, so basically the idea that um, the ideas of what is appropriate for women and men um, as are are and should be consistent with the norms of one's society that women are a certain way, men are a certain way. Um, and uh, without much flexibility or fluidity, without room for gender expansiveness, that rigidity of gender norms and expectations. I get that now. Okay, thanks. And as we've gotten to know each other, Laura, we've put together that our paths have crossed, even though I don't think we've really met at another gym. And it, and it was a CrossFit gym. Yes, and one of the things, so maybe you can talk about this and that gender essentialism model is, and then we can break it down and transition this, you know, in a couple different ways into what you're doing now. But is that where your journey started? Um, it, with this level of seriousness, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I had had a movement practice prior to then, but when I kind of got to a point where I was, I was trying to intentionally take better care of myself in, in a holistic way. I had like many trans people had, um, a really rough time in my teens and twenties. Um, and you know, by the time I got to be 30, I was way too sick and tired for my age. I was way too, I just hadn't, I hadn't been taking care of myself ever in my life. It had been kind of suicide on layaway with some of my choices. Ooh. And so I, uh, I wanted to find a way of moving that I didn't hate. That was as low as the bar was. Okay. And I didn't think I'd be good at anything. I didn't think I'd love anything. I certainly didn't think I'd change my career. I could not have expected that my life is what it is, but going to, um, a CrossFit box was part of that 
exploration. I was like, I just want to find a way of moving that I don't completely despise. And I'm, I'm grateful for, for that experience because that was where I was introduced to barbells and kettlebells. And that really opened something within me. That was not something, even when I was on the crew team, um, in high school, um, and I wrote on the girls team, the people on the girls team were not invited into the weight room. Like I didn't, I wouldn't have known what to do if I had been, it was this, um, I would say no man's land, but that would be an inaccurate way of describing it. Um, very alpha male. (laughs) Maybe it was an all man's land. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, and I did not fit into their understanding of what a man was. And so, um, but going into that space, I absolutely went back into the closet. My first several years, in exploring strength and exploring movement. Um, I was more or less open about um, being queer, but absolutely not about my gender. I did not know how that would be taken. I mean, even a lot of the, um, the workouts of the day in CrossFit are, this is what men, quote unquote, should be lifting. This is what women, quote unquote, should be lifting. Yeah, and that's and that's where I wanted to go with that exactly is because when I was doing CrossFit about the same time you were at the same gym, even though I don't think we crossed paths, but there's one weight for men at, at during the workout of the day. There and we call and during CrossFit refers to it as the wad, so we'll shorten that from here. So so during the wad, there's one weight for men, then there's another weight prescribed weight for women. Yes. And of course the men's is always more. And then there's women's bars and men's bars. Even the barbells are gendered. Yes. And, but the interesting thing for me, what was the woman? Was it pink? I mean, what? (laughs) it was a slightly, um, narrower diameter and weighed 10 pounds less than the men's bar, which quote unquote men's bar in powerlifting. There's no such thing. There's the bar. That's what everyone lifts. So it's unnecessarily gendered. Yeah. And so, but as somebody who was never naturally strong, who has, Two ver- who had a broken vertebrae, two metal rods, six vertebrae fused together. I always felt this constant pressure mm-hmm. to come up and not perform below the female level. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard as somebody who was still in that process. I was still very much in the closet, cross-dressing in secret at that time. So that plays with your psyche. And I found could lead to a lot of injuries. And I know that's one thing, having been to your place, you're very cognizant of movement injuries and how individual bodies work. Absolutely. And And getting rid of the hierarchy there. So strength training is valuable to most people. People like now what that means is going to vary when I'm working with someone who's in their 80s who wants to be able to keep up with the grandkids and maintain the, enough balance and range of motion to get things out of the the freezer um, that, you know, like those freezers that are below. This is a one of my clients had yeah. as her goal. The yeah. freezer was below the fridge. She could no longer get things under it out of it. And that was her goal. I want to get things out of the freezer again. So that takes a certain amount of strength. Or if someone's preparing for a powerlifting meet, that takes a certain amount of strength. Strength is relevant. But when it comes to figuring out how to load a certain pattern, adding weight up to a point can improve how we move. It kind of gives that proprioceptive feedback. It makes the brain um, aware of, oh, this is heavy. I need to use these these larger muscles, the prime movers. Weight can improve how we move up to a point. And then you get to a certain point where if you're lifting with your ego instead of your muscles, 
um, movement patterns break down. And then the risk benefit analysis starts being very much self-defeating, like you're no longer doing something healthy. And and that um, that mentality is very much supported absolutely within most CrossFit boxes, absolutely within most of the fitness industry. That idea of more is more is better <laughs> unless we're talking about your weight and then less is better. Um, but there's always something there's always something better. And whatever it is, it's not who you are. Like you in this moment is not good enough and trying to just completely do away with that whole paradigm and be like, okay, in this moment, in this body, whether it's, you know, someone with MS, whether it is someone who has navigated trauma or gender dysphoria, like in this moment, what does it mean to be kind to your body, to be empowered, to be present, and to do it in a way that affirms what you want to do in your body and your life. Yeah, I can understand entirely. And you mentioned, you know, like that more is better with weight. Uh, Unlike Amy, I am naturally strong. I come from a Polish potato farmers and (laughs) we'd lift heavy things. And that was like my, that was like my thing when I was growing up is I could lift heavy things all the time. And you know, I remember watching you at the at the at the fundraiser and going, you know, I could do that. I, I could I could do yeah. But what I was not re- telling myself, and which is absolutely true, is I could do it once, and then I would be wrecked for an entire week. But that idea that I should be able to do that, I that you know, I I need to be, and like, it's something that I fight against myself mm. as as a transgender woman. Like I, I still feel that, okay, I got to show how strong I am. And that's, and it's self-defeating for me. I mean, I, let's, let's be real. I'm 60 years old. I can injure myself very, very quickly, very easily and pretty severely because my, because I don't lift weights. I don't work Mm -hmm. out. And I just kind of like rely on that natural strength. And my mind, I still, uh, uh, thank God I'm able to like recognize that and not do it anymore. But it is a struggle because that masculine image of what a man is, is, you know, lift heavy things. Right. And that's ties into, I mean, there is, um, there's a lot of toxicity, um, within the way the trans masculine community has historically talked about fitness and movement, um, in that, um, very much, (sighs) More is better. You want to be bulking up here. You want to be doing this. This is how you get hypertrophy. Therefore, that's what you should do no matter what your injury history is, no matter what your health history is. And then when we look at the further problematic fact that now that research is finally being done on trans people in health and wellness, trans folks have a four times higher rate of eating disorders and disordered eating than the 20 something white cis women who were previously thought to have the highest rate of eating disorders. Wow. And, and where, I mean, and that ties into all sorts of things. And then when we like, yes, it's great. Movement absolutely can have positive mental health benefits, positive physical health benefits, positive, you know, emotional, spiritual, all of that, but not if it's being approached from such a destructive way that actually exacerbates, um, that really high rate of eating disorders, exercise addiction, that, happens within the trans community. So it feels to me like you're on almost the cutting edge of this, like you're trailblazing as a, as a, as a trans fitness expert. Is, is that how do you classify yourself? How, uh, not an expert, but at least a trainer. 
Um, are you yeah. like, I, I mean, there's not much, of, is there much of a body of work that you can reference or are you like? Not extensive. I do always want to elevate and emphasize the work being done by Ilya Parker of Decolonizing Fitness. Um, he's a transmasculine folk person, she uses he and they pronouns. Um, and, um, their site Decolonizing Fitness is, um, very much along the same lines as what I'm doing. Um, they and I have uh, connected quite a bit. We're working on developing some projects together because I'm not the only person doing this, but there aren't many. There's the non-normative body club in Philly. There's Queer Flex in Oakland. So there are these little islands, but it shouldn't be this easy for me to list everyone in the U.S. doing it. I was just thinking that. It's like, well, if, you could, if you could name them all, then that's, that's an issue. Well, and there's a, there's a flip side to this, too, where you talk about transmasculine. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you can address this, and, be, and I'll add my insight here from the trans-femme side. Mm-hmm. It seems the opposite is true in the trans-femme side, where it's like, we don't want to get... We don't want to get, quote unquote, too big. Mm-hmm. We don't want to get muscular because we don't want to lose. We want to build a feminine physique. But yet there's no one way to be human or ma- or masculine or feminine or anything. Yeah. Well, and then when we combine that, when when an absence of load bearing activity is one of the risk factors for osteopenia and osteoporosis and mus- uh, muscular withering. And they're then, using big words. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Low bone mineral density. Oh, okay. And then when you combine that to that that um, already mentioned um, added risk of eating disorders and disordered eating, which also, you know, has a horrific impact on muscle tone, on mus- um, on bone mineral density, on overall wellness. You end up having, um, you know, a lot of trans women going through the world with very high risk of heart failure. And broken bones, um, poor balance, poor proprioception, um, awareness of where your body is in the world. And it, so this, in either direction, so where the trans community is hurting and the way, like, and the way we've kind of internalized some of these messages about the right way to have a body, the right way to be a woman, the right way to be a man, whichever extreme you're going towards, whether it's the load up the bar, no matter what your rotator cuffs are telling you, or don't, don't lift an appropriate load, no matter what, cause you don't want to get bulky in either way. It's just exacerbate. Like my heart, like I, I get so emotional. My heart oh, I can hurts see it. <laughs> in thinking about the ways that these internalized messages um, get so deep that we end up unconsciously and unintentionally harming ourselves. And and I hope you, as you listen to this, I hope you can see, but the, the, the emotion here in this room is, it's very high right now because this is very personal. I think to all three of us here, because Penny's an avid biker. I run, I do high intensity workouts. Mm-hmm. I've been to your facility. And so, but this, these messages of, normative behavior, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. are so harmful to so many people. And it's, gosh, I don't, it's, it's changing my life in in ways that I never thought it would. Mm. The way I raise my children, the way I talk to my 10 year old, my 17 year old. Absolutely. Not only about body normative about, but how to approach sex, how to approach life. Yes. How to have these different conversations that in past generations people may be afraid of, but we're finding 
this open communication and being real with each other and understanding that there's no one way to go through life. And so it's just very, it's very raw. And what you're doing is so far out ahead of everything that you're... Yeah, because like we have like the increasing um, exposure of the quote unquote body positive movement, which... I roll my eyes usually when I say those words. Again, you can't see that through, you know, your speakers, but it this- came through. It came through in the delivery. <laughs> yeah, the so-called body positive movement, which is very white cis, maybe a little bit of curl curvy curves, but you know, no real bellies. Like, and I thought that was the dad bod. <laughs> um, I I who yeah, anyway, uh, regardless. We digress. Um, and so this idea of love your body, um, okay, great, I guess for those who can access that, but for folks who are experiencing gender dysphoria, for folks who are trauma survivors, for folks who, as I've described it, I spent the first 30 years of my life trying desperately to live only in the top 12 inches of my body, like just in the head. And the rest of me existed just to propel my head through space. And if I could ignore that the rest of it existed, that would be optimal, right? And so this idea of just love your body is overly simplistic. It's not nuanced enough. And it doesn't really acknowledge some of the very real systemic issues that are at play, um, particularly for trans folks, particularly for people with marginalized bodies in any dimension of diversity. And to just kind of say, okay, maybe... I'm not going to rush to loving my body. Maybe I can start by declaring a truce and try to have more moments of my life be in that space of being at at truce with my body. And it's not going to be all of them. I don't sit at home loving my body. (laughs) I just, I just don't. My cats do. They are very proud of themselves, but for me, it's much more complicated. Uh, And yeah. (laughs) But as you are sitting at home, and Penny, if, if you, but why not, if you can get to the point of loving your body like that and being For, proud of it like a cat? Yeah, but if, why you're, not, not? if you're not, there, I think what, what I'm taking away with this is if you're not there yet, That's don't okay. force it. It is yeah. okay. Yeah, it's okay to be there. It's not okay to stay there. Right. And that as we, as I increase those moments where I'm living in truce with my body, I can start tapping into those wonderful moments where. I'm able to celebrate my body. And that's tricky. I mean, right now, I, I'm fairly early on hormone therapy. I'm working on hopefully, like, you know, insurance coverage pending, getting top surgery this year. I'm in a body where I experience significant dysphoria currently. There are moments where because I can be so absorbed in what I'm doing that I can just have that celebratory relationship to my body whether it's in movement or whether it's connecting with my five-year-old son or my sweetie, whether it's those moments where I'm just there in the moment, absolutely that love for myself and my senses can flow. But then there are moments where it's harder to access and to make space for that. One thing that we have not done here and I'm very aware of is we haven't really talked about your space and where it is and what it's called. I want to make sure we mention that at least once and hopefully (laughs) two or three times during this conversation. So could we like just pull it back and just talk about where it is and what it's called and how people get in touch with you? Absolutely. So it's Positive Force Movement. Um, We're the Positive Force Movement on Facebook and Positive Force Movement all squished together on Instagram. 
we're in the Blossom Business Center, which is the building one building closer to Winton from Artisan Works. It's 595 Blossom Road. Our main gym space is in suite 317. And across the hall, we have a room with a yoga space, a massage room, and just kind of an open movement space. And that's suite 319. And it's, it's great. It's right on a bus line. There's plenty of parking. It's at the end of a very long hallway. We, when we were looking for spaces to, to lease when we needed to expand, no place had a perfect accessibility score. So if anyone um, couldn't get access at us due to the long hallway, um, we, abs- we made sure to invest in a um, motorized scooter and two walkers with wheels that we are happy to meet anyone at the elevator with. We care a lot about making sure anyone can get to us. Um, and you can email info at positiveforcemovement.com or go to positiveforcemovement.org for further information on how to get a hold of us. So it's more than just the load-bearing stuff that you do there. It's a, it's a full range of things. Absolutely. Um, we, if it's not appropriate for someone to do load-bearing movement, either because of um, injury history, chronic illness, um, lack of that being connected to their goals, we try to make sure that Anyone who wants to figure out um, whether or not movement can be enjoyable to them, um, we want to make sure that there's space for all of that. So, yeah, we have some high performance athletes. We have people um, who have never before wanted to move and are just at the start of this journey. And we want to make space for all of that. So if somebody like, I don't know, a 60-year-old transgender woman who's uh, fantastically attractive but really wants to do better and is recognizing that her joints are starting to mm-hmm. ache and that she's you know not really as strong as she likes to pretend she is, mm-hmm. not naming any names, um, <laughs> wanted to come to your, come to your place, how would, what, what would the process be? Is there like an intake procedure or do you work it out as a person by person basis? So if you're going to be getting personal training um, from any of our training cl- crew, the first session would always be a very in-depth movement assessment, conversation about your injury history or like what your interests are, what types of movements you've loved, what type of movements you've hated, if if you even know. Um, and then, yeah, a chance to watch you move in a very low stress way just so that anything that f- comes afterwards is customized to you and your needs. Um, that's not practical to offer for all of our group exercise classes. We make it very clear on our website. We have course descriptions for all of our group exercise classes, what um, level they're they're for, like whether or not something is accessible to beginners, whether or not something, whether or not a class is something that can be done seated, whether, you know, so we try to make sure that if there are any, um, we'd, we'd rather be overly transparent about that than to have someone show up and be like, I don't know. So, take this this fictional beautiful bombshell of a 60 year old trans woman mm-hmm. um like so we have the mindfulness and movement class where we have everyone from people who compete in highland games to people who are navigating through life with significant um spoon loss from autoimmune conditions and chronic illness. And I'm able to, that that it's built into the class description that we find movements that work for every person. And it's all about exploring movement with curiosity. Anyone could come in and participate in that. 
we have yoga for bigger bodies and all levels uh, yoga flow, which again are open to um, all folks. Um, anyone could participate in those. We have Christine's kickboxing classes. Um, those it's going to be a little bit harder to do those if you need to sit, but she can absolutely adapt that. Um, and so that would be kind of in a, most people could come in and participate, but if someone needs to do seated movement, that may not be the class for them. Um, and then I have exploring strength, which is more of an intermediate to advanced class. I'm like punching things over here. <laughs> um, and, and, and capoeira, which, Again, Chris is amazing at making that accessible. That's Chris Thompson. Yeah. 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 We all love Chris. Yeah. How can you not love Chris? He's a dreamboat. Yeah. He really, <laughs> I, I, yeah. There are, there, there are certain people who probably can't love Chris, but they have their own issues. But yeah. we don't all Don't trust love people who don't love Chris. That's a, that is that's an amazing, great, that's a great way of going through life. If you cannot trust, if you don't like Chris Thompson, then I avoid yeah. you. There's the litmus test. Perfect one. Yeah. <laughs> so so one, one thing I want to talk about too is I think- I used to weigh 260 pounds. I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and through my own way, I've lost the weight, pretty much kept it off with varying degrees of success, but pretty much have kept it off. But walking into a gym for the first time as a fat person with no background in the gym mm -hmm. is hard. Mm -hmm. You specialize in making that very comfortable. I, I want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, my partner and I, Christine, my partner in love and business, she and I both identify as fat. We've reclaimed the word fat. We, um, you'll notice throughout our website, we don't talk about intentional weight loss as a, something that we market. We even have community agreements that we have people sign, um, that, that acknowledge that going into our space, you agree to not body shame yourself and others. And that's pretty radical in the fitness field. It's very much a... It's so, radical. Somehow the fitness field thinks that it can help people honor and celebrate themselves by shaming them into doing it. Shame is not an effective catalyst for healing. Just period, full stop. And then... And Christine and I have both done a lot of research um, in the work of Lindo Bacon, the work of being done by um, ASDA and the American Size Diversity and Health Association, um, that um, so much of the supposed negative health impacts related to weight can, now that more research is being done, can very easily be correlated to discrimination um, from the medical community, from society at large. Discrimination has horrible health consequences. We're seeing that in racism. We're seeing that in transphobia. And it's absolutely true for sizeism. So we try to create this space where we do not assume what someone's abilities are based on their size. We, um, we celebrate natural body size diversity Period. Full stop. It's not something that needs to be fixed. Yeah, I was in Cleveland over the uh, this past week, and there's a circus group called Whizbang, mm -hmm. and one of their one of their performers, uh, the, the, she she comes out as a strong woman, and that's what they that's what she she comes out. But what she does is actually just amazing body movement, where she will basically stand on one hand and like bend her entire body so that her. Her, her feet are over her head and I'm um, coming down, almost touching the back of her neck. Bless her heart. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing to watch her because she does not look like the traditional acrobat, but she's both strong and incredibly flexible. And it was just such a joy to watch her move. 
and and that's where I I think that unconscious size bias absolutely operate and sometimes very conscious operates um, in a lot of coaches and a lot of fitness spaces. I absolutely can guarantee that the first several coaches I had sold my potential short based upon assumptions they were making from looking at me at the time. Mm -hmm. And, and this idea, if, if we were to talk about almost any other dimension of diversity and say, um, okay, I accept this thing about you as long as you're working to make it not true. Right. Like that's like saying that gay conversion therapy is uh huh. that like, OK, we love you as long as you're trying to not be you. And that's a lot of the message that fat folks get from from doctors, from friends and absolutely from the fitness industry. And it's very patronizing when we really look at it, that we have the whole world saying, you know, what would make you better if there was less of you. Yeah. And. Then when we and it's completely it's becomes even more infuriating when um, the research is looked at that when controlled for lifestyle factors, when someone moves in a way that's sustainable, that they want to do, that they do long term, that they take joy in, they will have better health outcomes than someone who doesn't, regardless of size, period. We, we just have a couple of minutes left, but one thing I do want to point out is I don't know how many fitness, fitness instructors that have at least two tattoos of pie on their body. <laughs> and also my, my cupcake. Oh, Ooh. my goodness. Riots, not diets. I like that. Love but, it. But listen, you've got, you've got like a cherry pie on your uh -huh. shoulder. Yep. And what looks like minced meat on your thumb. What is that? Is that uh, right? It's, it's blueberry. Oh, I think in the oh lighting might be. There we go. Blueberry. blueberry. Is, oh, yeah. my goodness. You've just named two of my. You're wearing two of my favorite pies. You're welcome. You know, Thank you're, you're you so welcome. much. Okay, Laura, you've mentioned a, a few research um, folks that you've been referring to in this. Can I give you some homework? Sure. Can you send me some links so that way I can include it in the show notes for this Absolutely. episode, Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. <laughs> and this is, it's been, I would love to have you come on and talk some more about this. Absolutely. There's I, so much. This is just the tip of. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I would like to talk about with this, not really about this, but I would love to hear about what it's like to work with your, with your partner uh, when you're both a business partner and also a romantic partner. Because that's something that always fascinates me. That must be. That, that, that's got to take some work on your part. It's really lucky that we adore each other. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you two together and there definitely is adoration. In that is really wonderful. Copious amounts. <laughs> so, yeah, we really, we want to thank you, Laura McSpadden. And one more time, uh, how do, where, where are you and how do we find you? 595 Blossom Road, Suite 317. PositiveForceMovement.org And your, your Facebook page is Positive Force Movement? Correct. And Instagram is Positive Force Movement. Yes, all squished together, no spaces. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're all squished <laughs> together here. Thank you very much, Laura McSpadden, for appearing on Transformation Thursdays. And we'll be right back after this. No, Amy, thank you for very much for doing all the heavy lifting in, uh, in, in that segment about heavy lifting. Oh, you're welcome. I know it's been a busy, crazy week for you. You had a fun weekend, I can tell, yeah. from Facebook. So. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. I, I literally, I got back from, I was in Cleveland for the Borderline Cleveland Fil uh, Fringe Festival. Uh, and I was there with Mike and Mel Muscarella. We were doing the show that we've done together called Parents and Children, Husbands and Wives. Wonderful show, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. They liked us in Cleveland. They loved us in Cleveland. And we loved Cleveland, 
especially Mel. Mel has got some dramatic roots, and they put us in this place called the Hermit Club, which uh, is this little private club that was built in 1924, and the world like evolved around it because this is little tiny. You can't even find it. You go off of a ma- off of Euclid, which is his main thoroughfare. You go on to um, to, to Chester, which is a, a smaller thoroughfare. Then you turn right onto a tiny little what looks like an alleyway. Then you turn right on the alleyway and you get around this corner and nestled in these backs of all these huge buildings is this little tiny club that is actually annexed to this place called the Hofbrau House, which was this German place with like with the Lederhosen <gasps> on the men and the Drindles on the on the on the women, and they had all this fantastic beer there, and they we got a lot of fantastic we drank a lot of fantastic beer. They had this beer called a Dunkel. A Dunkel. A Dunkel, which is a German, it is made with uh, Munich hops and Munich barley, and they actually import it. And the, and the only thing that is local about that beer is uh, the water. And it is fantastic. And I learned something about myself as a woman that when I have, uh, when I, when I, when I have at least two Dunkels, I need a Drindel. So if you ever see me in a Drindel, it means that I've actually been drinking Dunkel. That's interesting. I've never even heard of a Dunkel. Yeah, I, I got a little Drunkel on the Dunkel. Well, Dunkel very much. You're welcome. And we'll be back with the real stuff about the show in just a minute. Today's episode is brought to you by the state of Iowa. You thought Iowa was all cornfields, the field of dreams, and the nation's first caucus of the election season, but no! Iowa has become ground zero in the national debate over transgender health care. One day transgender health care is covered as determined by the state's Supreme Court, and the next week the state's Republican-controlled legislature passes a bill outlawing coverage for transition-related expenses and surgeries. So now the battle continues in Iowa as the ACLU in Iowa has filed suit again to block this new law. Wow, that is really... I, I love how we're a, a political football. It's It goes back. I had, a, I had somebody say, I, I don't want to say friend because it's nobody I've ever really met, but. A Facebook friend? A, yeah, a Facebook friend. I haven't met this person in real life. And, you know, it comes back to, he's like, well, I support you in your lifestyle changes. Oh, sorry, I hate that. I know. And it's like, um, that's implying that I actually had a choice because my choice was suicide or come out. Yeah, it's like I actually did a TED talk, uh, and one of the things I did was I talked about the thing, you know, like it's your lifestyle. It is not a lifestyle. The you know, you know, it means that we had somehow had a choice, and like we decided, I'm going to try being transgender for a while. That is nothing like what the the truth of the matter. Well, like you say in one of your shows as well, and one of your talks is like, you know, when you describe one of the surgeries you've had, when you see the guys. Covering, yeah, crossing their legs when I talk about the orchiectomy. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but the interesting thing is like there are 22 states in the District of Columbia that cover transgender health care. Fortunately, we live in New York and um, most most everything here is covered. It has to be medically necessary. Now, there's some wiggle room there for insurance companies, but usually if you jump through the right hoops, you can get stuff covered here. And so that that's nice. But when you look at the map of where stuff is covered what do you do you do you think you see any patterns i'm guessing that if you colored them you would color them red yeah 
It's that's pr- pretty sad. good. Yeah. yeah. Is there a map? Hey, can we post one on our on our website? On the yeah, there's there's a great article that I drew this from. It's called "Here's How LGBTQ Advocates Are Fighting for Better Transgender Healthcare," and that's located on the HuffPost website. So we'll definitely put that in the show notes for you. But if you definitely look at it, it it looks just like an electoral college map. Both your coasts and your northeast, northwest, your mid, your upper Midwest are blue and then you have the other states kind of like in between everything that are more red yeah so it's it's which i think is the color of their asses quite frankly (laughs) yeah they are very they are very very and why is the question what is what is it about being transgender that makes them that that makes them so uncomfortable well according to the family research council because they oppose transgender care saying being transgender is here's that word again a lifestyle choice not a biological imperative and of course that's a view at odds with that of the medical professional organizations such as the AMA the American Psychiatric Association and the American Psychological Association and every freaking trans person ever, by the way. Yeah, and I don't think I need validation from these medical groups to acknowledge my life experience. When I have my mom saying, Hey, you were doing things at two, three years old that had us a little concerned, I'm like, Eh, I mean, and I'm 47 now and I finally full time. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very similar. My, yeah, mine were like, you know, like a girl. Like a girl. Like a girl. And that was not a compliment or just a mere observation. That was my father saying, you're doing this wrong. So, yep. yeah, it was it was it was frightening for me. And I and uh, I think we should put a link in my TED talk on there because I talk about this this particular issue a bit about being a lifestyle choice. And it is not. It has never been a lifestyle choice. The only choice you ever have is whether or not you're going to admit to it. Yeah, and my lifestyle is I'm a parent, I'm a volunteer firefighter, I'm an insurance agent, I'm a comedian, and I do all these things that just are life. And I don't see the issue with that. So, yeah, so we'll put some links up there for that. We'll link to this article. And the other thing that's interesting for me, like you talk about your dad, my brother would always call me Amy. And so when I finally came out to him, he's like, well, what's your name, Amy? And he starts just dying in laughter because he's like, well, I was calling you that when you were a kid because you always did girly things. So, I mean, this is all part of our lived experience. The fact that we have to defend our defend our basic humanity, our basic awareness of who we are as human beings is one of the most frustrating things about being transgender for me. And the most dehumanizing thing to say that our lived experience and the way we validate ourselves is not valid. And we'll talk about this and other transgender related issues in future episodes of Transformation Thursday. Well, right now we should probably wrap up the show. We should probably put a nice little red bow on top of things. That would look They'll look nice with my outfit. <laughs> and your hair. Ah, thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, so wasn't Laura's interview just fantastic? They, they are were, amazing. They really are. I want to have them back on our show again to talk about this and our things. And maybe next time they'll bring some pie. Pie. Oh, my oh gosh. Oh, my gosh. That'd be so cool. Laura is an amazing human being. You're a doll, Laura. Thank you so much for being on the show. And we're going to have you back again. Uh, any final thoughts, Amy? Yeah, I think... 
even if you live in a supportive state like we do in New York, you should really be supporting groups like the HRC and the ACLU at the national level who are fighting for our rights across the country. That's important to remember because oftentimes we forget just how lucky we are to live in New York State about these things. Yep. And, and I think, speaking of supporting, they could also support us, couldn't they, Amy? Yeah, if you go to transformationthursday.com, don't talk about, no, because w- this is about w- me w- and what I want right now. Okay, about who? Me. And not about me. But anyhow, so yes, come to www.transformationthursday, uh, become a Patreon patron at any level, and we will thank you profusely from the bottom of our collective hearts. Yes, definitely. So, but I think right now it's time to say adios. Au revoir. Auf Good night. There's a dunkle waiting for me someplace. I know it. All right. Until next time. Good night, everybody. I'm Amy Stevens. And I'm Penny Sterling. She, her. She, her here as well. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.